0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer. We all realize that we are facing daunting mountains in our lives. It seems like every day. Every single day, a greater peak rises in front of us, and we wonder, how is it possible for us to go on? How is it possible for us to get over or around this massive mountain in our lives? Today on Viewpoint, I trust that this is going to be an encouraging program for you so that we can conquer the mountains that are rising in front of us in our lives And indeed, they are multiplying. Some of the great mountain ranges of the world, whether it's the Himalayas or whether it's uh, up there in Alaska or whether it's in uh, California with the Sierra Nevada, all of these mountains present daunting climbs. But people do climb them. But why do they climb them? How do they climb them? And why is it that they are not totally discouraged? We want to take some of those truths here today and apply them to our lives. What you may not have known is that for many years, in my younger years that is, I spent a considerable amount of time climbing. Climbing particularly in Southern California and in the Sierra Nevada. Peaks that go up to 14,000 plus feet. And rock climbing. Using ropes. And yes, protection. With partners. And so I have a little bit of understanding, a visceral understanding of what it means to climb, why I would climb, and what some of the daunting experiences were that I was confronted with. I want to share some of those with you here today. Don't turn that dial because these are going to be extremely applicable to you, to your life, this very day. Conquering mountains or Will they conquer you? Will you conquer the mountains in your life, or will they conquer you? Now, this is not just a self-help kind of broadcast here today. This is a real spiritual life broadcast. I trust that when this program is over today, not only with what I share with you in the first half of the program, but what Dr. Robert Jeffress shares with us in the second half of the program about conquering the mountains that separate us from being blessed in our lives, that you will be encouraged, strengthened, and blessed as a result. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's a conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and today is no exception. I trust that as a result of this program today, your life would not only be touched but transformed. If you will embrace the principles and concepts that are shared with you here today, things will be very different for you. Your viewpoint will change concerning the seeming impenetrable, impossible obstacles that are sitting before you. My favorite screensavers are pictures of mountains, drama, maybe a beautiful lake down at the bottom of a, of a snow-capped peak. I love those screensavers. They are such a tremendous inspiration to me. And that's one of the reasons why people climb mountains. Not everybody climbs a mountain. In fact, there are very few people who actually climb mountains. Almost, well, comparatively speaking, very few professing Christians that really climb mountains in their lives. That's right, they just give up. They fade away. They become passive. And they don't realize that God has called them to higher ground. In fact, we used to sing a song called, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still pressing as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. As a result of today's program, I believe many are going to plant their feet on higher ground. Will the mountains in your life conquer you, or will you conquer them? There's inspiration in climbing, and that's why a lot of people, well, I say a lot, there are quite a few, but relatively slim in terms of the total population, who do enjoy climbing peaks, rock climbing, and so on. There's a challenge that's involved in that. If you are not up to a challenge, you are not prepared to live the Christian life. I'm just sorry to have to tell you, but it's not an easy day for a lady. Now, there are a lot of women who do climb and very successfully. On the other hand, this is not a passive experience, life, the Christian life. It is as if you are a climber. Not a social climber, but a climber over the difficulties that we face, trusting in God with all of our hearts. As the Proverbs said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and then he'll direct your path. And oftentimes, as climbers approach a particular peak, they discover that in order to get to the peak, to begin the climb, they have to go through some pretty rough terrain. Sometimes it's called bushwhacking. In other words, there can be a lot of very dense and difficult undergrowth. There can be streams that have to be crossed. There are a number of things that you have to go through in order to get to even base camp, so to speak. The same is true with climbing Mount Everest. Did you know that? Base camp, from where they begin the climb, is at about 18,000 feet elevation. But in order to get there, it takes them days, sometimes weeks. They have to go through a long distance And this Christian life that we're living requires us to be willing to go the distance. If you're not willing to go the distance and you think that by confessing Christ as your Savior, you're in like Flint and you've arrived, you are solely mistaken, friend. You have to have the will to climb. And you have to be willing to face the challenges that are ahead. And there are going to be challenges, and we know that. So don't try to lead people to embrace the Lord without also letting them know that they're going to have to live a life of challenge. That's what it means to turn over our lives to him, to the Lord, and not live the continuing pattern that we do in the world. Now, one of the things that people love, climbers love, particularly those who are climbing peaks, is the view, the view ahead. And that view can be commanding. It is absolutely scrumptious to be able to get to the top of a peak, whether it's 10,000 feet, whether it's 14,000 feet, whatever it happens to be, to get to the top, and you have this panoramic view where it's almost like you can see forever. I've had many of those kinds of experiences. Oftentimes, there is a sea of clouds that you have climbed through. You're above them like you're flying in an airplane, and you look out, and it's like a sea of cotton. It's almost like heaven. It's almost like sort of a metaphor for heaven, that view. But it's not just about the view. It's also about the glory. It's as if you can almost see, almost touch, in a sense, the glory of God. And you're strengthened in the process. Oh, but when we get back, we're going to talk about how we get there. Because it's not just the vision. It's not just the view. It's not just the glory. But it's how we get there. We'll be right back. Are the mountains in your life conquering you, or are you conquering them? That's the question before us here today on Viewpoint. And the question then becomes, all right, if I want to be the conqueror of the mountains in front of me, how do I get there? What is it that's required of me in order to conquer those mountains? Some people will say out there, oh, well, that sounds like a gospel of works, No, it's not a gospel of works. We're saved by grace through faith. But there's a reason why the Apostle Paul said, now work out your salvation in fear and trembling. In other words, there's a life to be lived to prove that we are who we say that we are. A life to be lived. And that's what we're going to talk about here today because we're all facing these monumental mountains, and they're looming up ever nearer right in front of our faces, and people are discouraged, they're dismayed, they don't know what to do about it, they're wringing their hands, and Christians all over the country, even the world, are in terrifying fear. And fear has torment. Do you think that climbers are never fearful? Do you think they're never tempted to walk in fear? Oh, yes, they are. As you're climbing out along a ledge and you see the exposure down below you, a thousand, two thousand feet, you realize uh, you better attend to what you're doing. A lot of Christians aren't attending to what they're doing. They're standing on ledges and they don't even realize it. And then they look down and they see, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And they're terrified and they're paralyzed and they can't press on. This is dangerous business. Climbing is dangerous business. But in a sense, life is dangerous business. But God gives us hope and he gives us faith. And that's what we want to talk about here on the program today as we continue. There is an experience to be gained for a climber. It's an experience. Now, the whole experience isn't necessarily good because there's a lot of pain that's involved. There can be frustration. There can be danger. There, things don't necessarily go the way you expected them to Maybe a storm will rise up. Maybe thunder and lightning will shake the mountain, as it did for me on uh, one mountain. Actually, uh, several mountains. In another instance, uh, a pair of jets roared over Mount Whitney as I was climbing the east face of Mount Whitney, the tallest peak in the continental United States. As we were nearly frozen to death in the middle of August, it was terrifying. The entire mountain shook. We did not expect that. There are things that come up in our lives we just don't expect. We can't live the Christian life on the basis of what we thought everything was going to be. We have to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. One of the things that is uh, very discouraging to climbers, and I unfortunately uh, had to experience this a number of times, is the danger of not being acclimated. You see, the higher you go, things change in your, your blood chemistry. And the oxygen level in your body changes. And if you don't allow yourself to become acclimated gradually in your climb, you can end up with what is called mountain sickness. Oh, it's like a horrible case of the flu. And it comes on almost suddenly. And it renders you almost helpless. How many times have I found myself having to just kind of lay out on a flat rock in the sun and try to recover from a mountain sickness? But if you allow yourself to become acclimated over time, you will find that you don't have to deal with that horrible impediment to climbing that mountain. A lot of Christians aren't willing to become acclimated in their Christian life. Did you know that? They confess Christ as their Savior and they think. That immediately they should be able to ascend to the top of the mountain like brother so and so or sister so and so, and they should be able to live at the same level of faith, the same level of courage, the same level of uh, uh, fearlessness as their brother or sister who has been walking with the Lord for 20 years. No, we have to become acclimated and not be discouraged. Then we cannot allow ourselves to yield to the temptation to quit. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, in his Olivet Discourse, talking about the end times, which I believe we're living in, we're on the near edge of the second coming, and that's why this is so important, friends. He said, but they who endure to the end shall be saved. What's he talking about? He has just described all of the events, which he calls the beginning of sorrows, The birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows, horrible things coming upon the earth, famines and pestilence and terror and all kinds of things coming upon the earth, including people falling away because iniquity shall abound. And then he says, but they who endure to the end shall be saved. So not everybody who begins a climb succeeds in summiting or getting to the summit of the mountain. Why? It might be because they didn't acclimate themselves properly. They didn't prepare. It might be because they carried too much weight. It might be because their mind and their heart were not fixed on the goal. Or it might be because they became terrorized by the experience and they just quit. They didn't endure to the end. But Jesus said, all those kinds of things are going to happen to us as believers. But they who endure to the end shall be saved. So you and I must build endurance in our lives. And that happens by being tested. We're tested, and that's how we build endurance. So as the climber proceeds... To various levels of climbs, and as he ascends, he may inc- incur uh, perhaps a block wall, a-, a a steep wall in front of him, a rock wall. Now, what am I going to do? There is just such a wall on Mount Everest, and it's daunting, and it's right up in the upper echelons. I think somewhere around twenty-eight thousand. Uh, feet. It's way, way up in the upper echelons, so you have you have to use all your strength. It's freezing cold, and yet you can't get to the summit unless you go over that great step. It's like that in our Christian lives. And how many people just give up? And there are reasons why they give up. I hope that's not you. The Bible also says that we should lay aside every weight, And the sin that so easily besets us, and let us run or climb with patience, with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. You see, He climbed already, and He did it without falling. He didn't fall. He faced every single temptation like you and I, yet without sin. He didn't give up because He looked for the glory that was set before him and the joy that was set before him because he knew that if he persisted in obeying the Father, he would reach the summit and accomplish the Father's will. Do you have that kind of confidence? We need that kind of confidence today, my friend. And so, yes, there are certain things that we have to carry. We should be carrying our Bibles. Very few Christians do that these days. Very few Christians are carrying their Bibles these days. Why is that? They're just not equipped to make the climb. They think they're going to rely upon going into a congregational setting and have the word of God spread on a screen somewhere, and that somehow that's going to be sufficient. But they're not preparing themselves every day. They're not feeding themselves on the word. In fact, a climber who wants to be successful is going to prepare his body. He's going to eat the right things. He's going to exercise. He's going to prepare to engage the challenge. So he's going to lay aside every weight that's unnecessary so that he's not bogged down by unnecessary energy in carrying, uh, devoted to carrying unnecessary weight. Patience is required. Extreme patience is required. One of the great challenges, interesting challenges for a climber, is to get up and you think you've really made your way up and you're about ready to hit the summit and you look ahead and there appears to be the summit. The problem is, when you get to that point, you realize that isn't the summit. The summit's another mile down the road. And in fact, you might have to go through another valley, so to speak, to get to the summit. And your heart sinks. And your energy fails. And you're thinking about, oh, I had hoped this was the end. I had hoped we had actually gotten there. It's called a false summit. Many Christians live... On false summits. They do. They get to a certain point and they think, okay, I've arrived. No, you haven't arrived yet. You need to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You haven't arrived. Until your life is over, you haven't arrived. All the things in between are false summits. And whatever glory and joy you get at the false summit cannot possibly compare to the joy and the glory and the view that you'll get when you reach the summit. Now, this climb also requires patience. The Bible says that we need to have allow patience to have its perfect work. We might be entire lacking in nothing. <coughs> Persistence, Comes on the end, uh, on the edge of patience. They're kind of corollaries. And a lot of people feel like they're patient up to a point, but then they give up. Interestingly, the coach once said, When the going gets tough, the tough get going. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. This is a, f- a time, my friend, when you and I, as professing Christians, must. Toughen up. You may not like to hear it. You may, It may not be part of your lifestyle up till now. But it's much needed if you're going to be successful if you're going to conquer the mountains that are looming in front of you rather than having them conquer you. We must be persistence, pers- persistent. We must let patience have its perfect work. The way the entire lacking in nothing. Next, I don't know about you, what you know about climbing, if anything. But except for the lone rangers that want to climb solo, such as El Capitan or some of the other most dangerous uh, vertical climbs in the world, a climber really needs a partner. Particularly if you're going to climb in the bigger mountains. There are a number of very famous climbers who tried to climb solo. They were renowned climbers. And they tried to climb solo, and they died. They died. They they had no one to protect them. They had no one to rope up with. They had nothing. They didn't even have anybody to encourage them along the way. They have nothing. There are an awful lot of Christians these days that think they can climb solo. They really do. They don't need the body of Christ. They increasingly withdraw themselves from other believers, thinking they can do it by themselves. I don't need to rope up with another Christian. I don't need to rope up in a church somewhere. I can do it by myself. Thank you very much. Yeah, and you can die by yourself, too. You can fail by yourself. You can flail by yourself. You can get sick by yourself. You can be traumatized by the experiences that you're facing by yourself. It's interesting what the English poet once said, John Donne. He said, no man is an island. And when it comes to life, no man is an island. When it comes to climbing, no man really is an island. You need some, You need a partner. You might need a whole team of partners, a climbing team to rope up with. You need teamwork. You need trust. And when we get back with our special guest, Robert Jefferson, in just a few moments, we are going to find how important this really is. We're going to find out how important this is to conquer the mountains that separate us from the blessed life. Stay tuned, friends. This is Viewpoint.
1: There is so much more about Chuck Chrismeyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're learning how to conquer the mountains in our life rather than have them conquer us. And we need to prepare. We need to prepare. We've been talking about that kind of preparation. We've been talking about the attitude. We've been talking about the actions. We've been talking about uh, the history in our lives that is necessary in order to prepare us to succeed in reaching the summit of life that God has called us to reach. Mount Everest. Mount Everest is the highest peak in the world. 29,029 feet. The tallest mountain on Earth. And uh, it's located in the Himalayas, or Himalayas, however you want to pronounce it. And that area is called the roof of the world. It's way up there. And it's captivated mountain climbers for decades. In fact, on May 29, 1953... Mountaineers Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay became the first explorers to scale Mount Everest. But it wasn't Hillary's first attempt. After failing to reach the summit two years earlier, Hillary reportedly shook his fist at the mountain, and he said, I will come again and conquer you, because as a mountain, you can't grow, but a human can. Wow. So he learned a valuable lesson. A mountain that seems insurmountable isn't, as long as you're willing to grow. And with that growth comes a change in perspective and a renewed hope that in the days to come, even Everest-like mountains can and will be conquered. Hmm. Chances are you and I will never climb a literal mountain like Everest. But we are going to come face-to-face with other tall mountains in our lives. And the mountain moving over us may be called doubt or discouragement. Maybe we've blocked, been blocked by a daunting mountain of bitterness or guilt. Or maybe we found ourselves in the shadow of a seemingly insurmounted mountain of loneliness or grief. But like Everest, the mountains you and I face in life can seem overwhelming. You agree, don't you? But with God on our side, Dr. Jeffrey says we're meant to be invisible. Invincible, he said, we need to have faith in God. And actually, in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 23, where in the King James Version it says, have faith in God, the actual word in the Greek is, have the faith of God, or the God kind of of faith, the God kind of faith, the God kind of faith that says unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the midst of the sea, the faith that says, no, I'm not going to trust the testimony of my senses. I'm not going to trust the testimony of my circumstances. I'm not going to trust the testimony of so-called artificial science. I am going to trust God, the creator of it all. So Jesus didn't say that it takes mountain-sized faith to move mountains. He said it takes a mustard-sized faith to move mountains, and the mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds. Isn't that interesting? So at first glance, when we look at this, the mustard seed faith hardly seems enough to conquer the mountains that are looming large in our lives. But it is. We have to realize that when God is in it, we can be conquerors of everything. Now, the Jewish people, that is the the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, faced this problem. You remember, you recall right there in Numbers 13 and 14, they faced this problem. They were God's people on the verge of receiving the blessing promised to Abraham, They were going to enter the promised land. God had shown Moses from Mount Nebo, the promised land. He had sent in spies, 12 leaders of the children of Israel to go into the promised land, to spy it out, to see whether it was really like what God said. They came back and say, yes, it is. But yes, it is. But, but what? But there'd be giants in the land, mountain-sized men that were occupying the land. And they said, these guys, they're, they're like giants, like mountains, and we're like grasshoppers. So how in the world are we, grasshoppers, going to defeat or climb this great mountain? No, we can't do it. God said... Of those, of 10 of those 12 spies, that they brought up an evil report. That's what he said, an evil report. You know what an evil report is? It's dissing what God has said, it's refusing to embrace what God has said. That's an evil report. But there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, who said, Yes, there are mountains, yes, there are giants in the land. But if God has said it, we are well able to overcome them. So I want to ask you a question before we proceed further, and it appears that somehow we have missed Dr. Robert Jeffress. So uh, we're going to proceed on. I'm going to share some of the uh, principles of his new book, Invincible, with you, uh, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. Because I have these various experiences and so on, uh, I'm able to do that. He hasn't had those experiences. His daddy did, but I ha- but but he hasn't. But I have, and I so I can talk about this uh, even more viscerally than uh, my friend Dr. Robert Jeffress. So, if you and I are continuing to look at the giants in our life, if we're continuing to look at the mountain the mountains that seem to be looming impenetrable in front of us, and we do not have a God viewpoint, we don't see things from God's viewpoint, the mountain is going to conquer us. It's going to conquer you. So when you're standing at the base of a mountain that's blocking your path, there's no question about it. It feels daunting. There might be a lot of crevasses up there and rocks and who knows what's on the other side? You don't really know. So do you give up? No. Dr. Robert Jeffers in his book, Invincible, describes 10 of the most difficult mountains that can separate us from the blessed life that God has for us. And that's why I wanted to bring him on today. In the second half of the program, he couldn't make the whole hour, and appears appears he wasn't able to make even a half hour. We'll see. When we encounter the the mountain of doubt, it blocks our view of God's grace, mercy, and love. And it's amazing. As you're climbing a peak, there are all kinds of things that get in the way. You might have to go through a whole bunch of switchbacks. Nobody likes to go through those. They're laborious. They're boring. You don't feel like you're getting anywhere, uh, but you have to do it anyway. Life is like that. A lot of switchbacks in our life that don't seem to be getting anywhere. But if we're going to proceed, we have to take that route. And doubt then looms in front of us. We think, oh, my goodness, this is just too much. This is just too much. I'm not willing to put forth this kind of energy. I'm not willing to uh, endure this kind of uh, a challenge. No, I, I'm just going to coast. I'm just going to quit. Uh I'll let the others go on. Isn't that the way it is with an awful lot of Christians? Do you know somebody like that? i bet you do. And when we have doubt, it leads to uncertainty about the truth of the Bible and even our salvation. But when we confront our doubts with the truth of God's word, then we can confidently climb the rocky and steep places in our life with a renewed faith. So, The first thing that uh, my friend Robert Jeffress says in his book, Invincible, is that we must move from doubt to faith. That's the first mountain, conquering the mountain. The the, The mountain of doubt must be overcome by faith. And by the way, that involves trusting in the Lord. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. And do you know... That the number one thing that's being, there there are two things that are being tested right now among professing Christians. Two main things. Number one is trust. Number two is obedience. And they're both linked. Because if you don't obey, you don't trust. And if you don't trust, you won't obey. Therefore, they are reciprocal with each other and inextricably linked for you to be able to be victorious in climbing or ascending uh, the or moving the mountains in your life. That's why that song is so important. Trust and obey, where there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. It's interesting because the verse, very few people sing this verse anymore, but it says when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word. In other words, it removes doubt in the light of His Word. What a glory He sheds on our way. When we do his good will, that's obedience, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Will you? Will you trust and obey? That requires a choice. To climb, to conquer mountains requires a choice. We have to move from doubt to faith. Next, we have to move from guilt to repentance. Are there any past sins and unrepentant sins and secret sins that uh, kind of loom like a mountain in your mind? Guilt? Carrying guilt is like carrying a heavy load of useless equipment on a mountain climb. And what do climbers want to do? They want to reduce the weight. What does a runner want to do? Reduce the weight. What do you need to do? What do I need to do? What do uh, true followers of Christ need to do? Reduce the weight. That's why the Bible says that we should get rid of every weight that so easily besets us so that we can run with patience the race that is set before us. Oh, and we have just started here. There are a whole bunch more mountains to climb. In fact, eight more. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. One of these... Is your mouth.
1: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: We're here to conquer the mountains that loom in front of us increasingly They loom larger and larger. When you're standing at a long distance, miles away, a mountain doesn't seem all that great. But the closer you get, the greater it seems. And that's the way it is in our lives. We see these things happening in our lives, uh, all kinds of things. We're going to talk about a number of them here in the final segment of the program. And the closer they get, to our life experience, the greater they loom as difficult to conquer. The next one is anxiety. Not long ago, I saw a woman drive down the street and her license plate said anxiety. I thought, what a horrible license plate. Anxiety. She's proclaiming anxiety to the whole world. She's speaking anxiety not over her own life, but over the life of everybody that sees her vehicle. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, let your needs be known to the Lord. We wonder why God hasn't answered prayers. We wonder why. Uh, Things are continuing on, for instance, with regard to our government taking over all of our freedoms and rendering us into a looming 1984 horrific prophecy being fulfilled right in front of our eyes. It's causing anxiety. But in the midst of it all, anxiety will paralyze you. I remember being on the side of a cliff one time, uh, a a major rock formation called Taki's Rock in Southern California, a very well-known climbing rock. It's like a great thumb that juts up about 1,000 feet off the ground. And uh, at one point, I got into a position, even though I was roped up with my climbing buddy, I got into a position where my muscles started to shake. I looked down, and I saw the tremendous exposure down below and i became petrified with fear and i couldn't move we call it muscle shake and it's paralyzing how many christians maybe you are involved in spiritual muscle shake you're kind of paralyzed you can't move you don't know where to move and you feel like you make if you make a move it's so dangerous that you don't want to make a move, and you'd rather just die right where you are. It's horrible. Anxiety is paralyzing. God wants us to live in peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. And the way we get that peace is to trust him. If you don't trust the Lord and obey him, you're not going to have peace. Next, discouragement. My goodness, how easy it is to become discouraged in general. But in times like these, oh my goodness, we have discouragement coming out the ears. With anxiety comes discouragement and disappointment and depression. We're at a time of greater depression than modern history has ever seen. And discouragement can drop us into a deep, dark crevasse in our lives, You might pronounce that a crevice, it's pronounced crevasse, that seems impossible to climb out of. If you fall into a crevasse and you are unroped, you do not have a climbing partner to rescue you, you are done for. Those crevasses can be 20 feet, 30 feet deep or 500 feet deep. We need a climbing partner. But that's another issue. We need to move from discouragement to hope. Jesus said, or actually it was John who said, whoever has the hope in him of the second coming of Christ will purify himself even as Christ is pure. In other words, he's not going to give up. He's going to keep on keeping on, and he's going to take seriously Jesus' warnings, Paul's warnings, Peter's warnings, John's warnings are going to take seriously the warnings of Scripture concerning repentance. Repentance is the most positive word in the Bible that leads to hope. And hope makes not a shame then. Next, we have to move from fear to courage. Fear is not of God. Yet we are supposed to fear the Lord. When we don't fear the Lord, we will fear man. So if you're going to conquer the mountain of fear, you have to begin by rebuilding the fear of the Lord in your life. Otherwise, you will fear man, and that mountain of fear is going to take over. And you'll find renewed courage when, as you develop the fear of the Lord, and then begin to walk in the light of his word, trusting him with a whole heart. What is being challenged now is our trust and obedience. I think you can relate to that, can't you? Next, we've got to move from bitterness to forgiveness. This is like a weight that easily besets us. Bitterness and unforgiveness, resentment, even revenge. It's amazing how many Christians are caught up with this and just refuse to forgive. Jesus said, if you won't forgive others their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Whoa. So, as my friend Robert Jeffress says, bitterness resentment, unforgiveness, and revenge are attitudes like avalanches or rock slides, and they'll batter your heart and your soul, make you like granite in your heart. Mm. I tell you, I've been in some rock slides. I've been in a few avalanches. Terrifying. And you ought to be terrified, too, if you're walking in unforgiveness and bitterness. Because Jesus said, your Father in heaven cannot forgive and will not forgive you if you refuse to forgive. Now, that's terrifying. So the Apostle Paul said, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's what we're doing right now. Because... God wants you to be able to summit, in other words, to reach the level that he has for you in your life and conquer these mountains that so easily beset us. Next, we have to move from materialism to contentment. There's sort of a Christianized version, the mountain of materialism. Starts with the subtle sin of greed, leads to the not-so-subtle problem of debt and financial instability and false hope, and God wants us to be content. That doesn't mean we don't strive for anything, but we keep the main thing the main thing. Next, moving from loneliness to companionship. From loneliness to companionship. Did you know uh, the secular psychologists Uh, are saying that loneliness has become a plague in in America? Loneliness. How can we be lonely where we're in an age of so-called social media and virtual friends? Well, they can be made and lost in the click of a button. You can be betrayed instantly. And how many young people are being destroyed in their image and understanding of their selves because they put their trust and their confidence in false friends on social media. Many are even committing suicide because of that. You know what, my friend? The more we become disconnected from friends and family and church, it causes us to face an increasing mountain of loneliness. God does not want us to be lonely. Did you know that that's why he created Eve? He looked at Adam. He saw all the animals that they had a companion, but man was alone. And he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he created Eve as a companion and a helpmate. He didn't create her to lord it over him. He created her as a helpmate and a companion so that neither one of them would be lonely if they would follow the Lord. But the moment they decided to diss what God said with Satan's temptation in Genesis chapter 3, they became lonely. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that they hid themselves. They hid themselves from God with whom they had wonderful fellowship. Are you hiding yourself from God somehow? Through disobedience, the refusal to forgive, by holding on to anxiety, refusing to trust, walking in discouragement and fear, those things will separate us from the Lord. And you'll feel lonely. And certainly we should not, we should not, avoid getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ as we see the day of the Lord's return approaching. You and I are going to need all the help we can get. We need to stay roped up. And we need to move from grief to acceptance. Grief uh, just is a horrible thing. We just received word of a, the child of one of our parishioners who committed suicide. It's a horrible thing. Painful. Grief. People lose their spouses. All kinds of grief. Kids don't follow the Lord, and they carry on in things that are rebellious against him. We grieve. God grieves. On the other hand, we cannot allow grief to paralyze us into despair and depression We have to rise above it, trusting the Lord with all of our hearts. So, you may not ever become a mountaineer. You may not ever climb a particular peak. You may never do rock climbing. You may never engage in any of those things. But those things, as I have translated them here to you on the air today, should provide, do provide, mental, metaphorical images that should help us get another view of the life that we're called to live in such a time as this. Snow-capped peaks loom large on the landscape, causing us to wonder at our all-powerful God. But mountains also humble us. Even the tallest mountain stands in humility before God, even Mount Everest. And God is the one who helps us overcome the mountain-like difficulties in our lives. So it's the mountains that we overcome that make us who we are. You may wonder, why does brother so-and-so seem to be so strong in the Lord? Why does sister so-and-so seem to always be on top of things? Why do they seem to always be on top of the mountain, so to speak? Maybe it's because... They're dealing with the things that we're talking about here, and you're not. Maybe you're yielding yielding totally to your feelings. A mountain climber will never reach the summit if he yields to his feelings, ever. He climbs by faith, believing that if he will put one foot in front of the other, he will reach the summit. But our inclination is to curse the mountains in our path and try to avoid them. No, God says, no, I want you to be tested. Because if there's no test, there's no testimony. No testimony. So if there's a mountain looming before you, don't fear. God wants to build a testimony. And as Robert Jeffress said, God wants you to be invincible. The book. $25 just came off the press. Invincible, it's yours. It's a hardbound book on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. God bless. Be a blessing. And let's press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Help us to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. God bless now, and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.